We'll just stop there. Right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Global Frequency. I'm joined here by TC, and um, we're, we're back again for some more action. If you've got any questions, feel free to fire them on the webpage, fire them off on the webpage, or um, message me um, any comments, and we'll try and get through them, as we always do try and get through them every week. But welcome back um, to the show. Um, it's been it's been a weird, strange, and and somewhat difficult week in many ways for people. I'm sure it's been for you as much for me. Um, but here we go. Now, um, I, I wasn't too sure on how to start the show, right? Because it's been such a weird week. Obviously, for me, the biggest story has been the the pay rise. The nurses, well, I wouldn't call it a pay rise. I'd call it like a tip, like a, a small tip that a lord would give his lady after, after you know, well, that was fun. There's a tip um, in oldie days. That's the only thing I could imagine it says, because it's not really a pay rise. Um, uh, did, you, did you see that TC story, TC? Yeah, um, yeah. yes, guys. Um, I wouldn't call it and, a and I, would you? No, I, I, it's um, I mean, considering that that nurses, and actually, it's, it's, I know it's across the board. So it's for porters, for administration staff, it's anyone in the NHS. So what? So it's not just it's not just nurses, but considering that none of them have had have had an equivalent pay rise to uh, inflation, and they were being put on freezes for years and years and years, it's just really insulting. And I know that the higher bands that the, you know, the higher a nurse, the nurse goes up bands, the more money they get because obviously they increase their knowledge, which means they can work in different areas and they earn more money. And I'm aware of that. Mm. And that's really good if you're a nurse who is at that stage and get one percent pay rise. Well, that's great if you're if you're already earning more than most nurses. I still think you should get a higher, you know, five to ten percent would have been better. Uh, I know they wanted twelve and a half, which would have been amazing, but I don't think they would have got it in the current climate. Um, what I do feel for is all the porters, all the people that work in the kitchen, all the people that aren't on decent wages. You know, some of the porters on like fourteen, fifteen thousand pound a year, and they've had a pay rise. You know, and they're frontline as well. It's not just the nurses. Um, but in my opinion, our NHS is the most important thing in this country. It's the thing that keeps us. If you're looking for something that's patriotic, it's the back of the NHS. Yeah. You know, that's what that that that. Is they're the people that have put their lives at risk, not just in the COVID crisis, but throughout our lives, uh, our lives presently, us being alive for, for over 40 years. I'm not precisely going to tell you how long, but, um, you know, they've saved our lives. They've saved the lives of our family. They've saved the lives of countless people. You know, it, we wouldn't have the aging population that we have today had it not been for the NHS. And I do feel that although we could clap for carers that was great because number one if if um if every individual in the uk charged per clap the government one pound per clap we wouldn't be not we wouldn't be asked to clap to clap and why why are we having this issue with nurses we were, we were going to save 350 million pounds a week yeah boris johnson and michael go sit in front of a bus a week from not being in the eu and that money was going to go to um the NHS and why hasn't it gone to the NHS? Mm. That's the solution, isn't it? Yeah. Unless that was a lie. Unless that was a lie, and then Boris Johnson and Michael Gove have stood in front of a lie, you know, and, and, and quite happy. <laughs> Boris Johnson, Michael Gove stand in front of a lie, sir. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? They're quite happy to take that press, but they're not mm. happy to, to 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 back the horse. And yeah, we know the economy's buggered. You know, but the economy's but the economy's not going to get better un unless we start investing in it. And by not investing in nurses in the NHS and already selling off um, information to private data companies from the US. I mean, I mean, I, I know where I stand on trusting Boris Johnson. I think I know where you stand on it, CJ. But I hope, I hope Mr. Teflon here, people realise that what the nurses are, are asking for isn't isn't unreasonable. You know. You know, you've got Captain, Captain Tom raised money for them mm. because he knew that the NHS was underfunded. Yeah. 
You know, if you want to be a patriot, that man was a patriot. He tried to look after the community. There's a man who was 100 years old who mm. knew that he had to raise money for the NHS. Yeah. Well, you've got a prime minister in charge. Oh, hold on, TC. They're making him a statue. In fact, they've already made him a statue. They've made him a statue. Well, Captain Tom or Boris Johnson? Captain Tom. They've already yeah, made him uh, a statue. That, that's got to be, uh, you know, cover it, doesn't it? I mean, no, no, it doesn't that's care. why Again. it happened, didn't it? Well, again, it's to do with, you know, it's to do with why was this, why was this elderly gentleman, mm. why was this elderly gentleman, why did he feel he served his country in a war? He then served his nation by raising money for the NHS when they were underfunded, they didn't have enough PPE, you know, we've got so much stuff going on about anti-vaxxing, uh, treating people in hospital, people are being pulled out of hospital, people just don't believe COVID's real and that the doctors are killing them. You know, these people have been on... And, our NHS have been under constant attack. And nurses and doctors, nurses that saved Boris Johnson's life when he had COVID. Mm. Right? Which sat with him, I believe. Um, yeah. Well, tw it's 24 hours. hour care. So, yeah. yeah, it's 24 hour care when you're that ill. So they're, they're with you. That, that's the, the, it's not the doctors that make the difference at that point. Because I know my daughter, my daughter and my son were in, 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 um, mm. in that kind of scenario um, in Niku. And night to you you have constant surveillance and it's the nurses that sit with you and, and and pull you through it's not it's not the doctors the doctors do their rounds and if it's really bad they get pulled in but it's, yeah. it's, it's the immediate attention is that of the nurses um and all the staff you know the cleaners i'm talking about everyone in in, in their needs a pay rise because they cannot live on that nurses yeah. can't afford to buy houses in in london near the hospitals where they work Mm. maybe some someone might say you know they don't deserve to live in a house in paddington or chelsea but you know if you want someone to look after you treat you then i suggest they might need to live closer to their to their work where they work you know so that they're at the top of the game when they get there rather than being two hours away what you mean like boris johnson lives quite close to the houses of parliament yeah and close yeah, to his offices right. which is yeah. next door you know i mean i, I know someone who, who their commute to to um to a hospital in london is literally an hour and a half mm. you cannot be at the top of your game if you're working for an hour and a half and if you're a nurse or a doctor or a midwife whatever it may be it's mm. very rare that you leave at the time your your shift sends because you've got stuff going on mm. you know you can't leave someone in the middle of a treatment or leave someone unless you're on a ward and it's just taking yeah. observations so generally they just don't leave so they're working like 13 hour days and then they got like a two-hour commute and just so people have some context of what, why I personally think this is just uh, um, the government stalling what they're, they're going to do eventually anyway um, and get credit because they, they, they'll come out with a statement like, you know, Boris decided to take control of the debate and he got hands on and we were able to find the money for this. Just so you all have some context. Of, of one, why I think this uh, government's a criminal enterprise, um, but two, why it's probably the most incompetent government we've seen for a long time, and openly competent, incompetent. Um, so nurses, 1%, which equates to £3.50. Track and trace, TC, how much does that cost? That's per week, £3.50 per week. So we're looking yep. at what, three, just under £360 a year they get yeah. additionally. And that's for nurses. It's less for porters, less for kitchen staff, less for cleaners. Um, so I mean, it's like a, it's like two, you know. I'm, I want to swear there, but I'm not going to. So it's awful. <laughs> and it was, is it, I think it's currently 27 billion, 27 yep. billion, and on track and trace, which still doesn't work. Doesn't work. I mean, it, it works better, but it doesn't work. No. Um, as we, as we found from that Brazil COVID. You know, they lost the patient for the Brazil COVID thing, which filled out a form that they didn't fill in right. And now they found it. And supposedly that happens one in a thousand. Well, it's very unlucky that was the one in the thousand. <laughs> the one person you should have lose, you lost. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, you know uh, the, the, I mean, I don't know when, I don't know when the general public are going to come to that. Well, I, I, I want to say come to their senses. Either it's, it's a happy delusion. It's a, it does feel like it's the emperor's new clothes, doesn't it? You know, I'd agree with you to a degree, but I think those people that are supporting Boris, um, they're uh, the only reason I think Boris is getting a lot of flack at the moment, especially from the right wing press, is because the opposition isn't doing it, um, and it's not losing Boris votes, 
you know, um, Boris isn't any less popular when he gets yeah. criticised. So I think, or at least at the moment, it looks like that. May the 5th coming, things may change. Um, but at the moment, it just looks like um, Boris doesn't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I think the press have been a bit more like, um, I think all the front news on, news on most of the papers was, was pretty damning of Boris, but not for these things. Um, they, they were for um, him trying to refurbish number 10, his missus having a bit too much say in what's going on, but and, and a little bit about the pay, but not so much. So, uh, but I think people are, are supporting him no matter what, they will be damned. Um, I, I could make a prediction here, CJ. I'm going to make yes. a prediction, here, right? I'm going to if if nurses go on strike mm. or, or there's some kind of you know, um. You know, some kind of action that takes place. I can tell you that the Daily Mail and all those newspapers, the Daily Mail, the Sun, the Express, whoever they may be, will the same newspapers that banged on about clap for heroes, <clears throat> clap on a Thursday night at seven o'clock for, for nurses and doctors, the same newspapers will turn on them, will turn on those nurses and doctors uh, and, and vilify them, you know, make them out to be, you know, leaving our, leaving our. You know, leaving our grandmothers to die while they go and strike. Self, you know how selfish they are. Where MPs have given themselves pay rises since yeah. this COVID started. I think they've given one or two. They've given themselves one or two pay rises or voting against giving nurses pay rises. And Boris wants to give himself pay rise. In fact, it's being reported that he doesn't think the pay is good enough. Um, as he can't we should go get another job, shouldn't he? <laughs> should go get another job. One would hope you would do. Um, now, moving on slightly, but not completely, because obviously it is still about the utter incompetence of this government. Does, does the name Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe mean anything to you? Yes. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, um, Nazine is a, I believe she's a teacher, and she had family out in Iran. Um, or as I like to call it, one of the world's biggest women's prisons. Um, she she went to Iran, and she basically um, was, I, I think, just do, maybe doing some journalism out there, but she was just teaching. The Iranians um, arrested her, accused her of involvement in propaganda activity against the Islamic Republic, including attending a demonstration outside the Iranian embassy in London, and speaking to BBC Persian. So as far as I know, she didn't do any of this, this stuff in Iran, but there you go. She's gone out there to see family and teach. She gets accused of being um, uh, a spy and, um, a, a, sorry, in being involved in propaganda. She goes to Iran, she gets arrested. She's been released this week. But what none of the press seem to be mentioning is that, um, that Boris Johnson. Now, I, again, the Iranians probably would have released it anyway, but they did put her in prison. I think extend her sentence when Boris Johnson, who I believe was a foreign foreign minister at the time, foreign secretary right? at the time, yeah, foreign, foreign secretary. secretary at the time, said she was a spy um, and referred to her as a spy. This is Boris Johnson, the foreign minister, who we again somebody felt was good enough to be prime minister, gaffed it on international TV, in front of journalists, accused, literally said she was a spy, and after that, the Iranians put her in prison for even longer. Now, this is after years of campaigning by her husband and partner, um, who's gone out there year after year, campaigned with the family to try and get released. The Iranians have released her. Well, she also had a daughter while she was in prison. Mm. They've, They've tagged her. Um, and she's been used to her mother's, but already she's facing another trial. Um, so I don't think you're going to see her necessarily back in the UK anytime soon. Unless, look, they may let her go and say, if you ever come back, we'll restart the trial. We'll see. But again, I just, it's like another body on the pathway to Johnson getting to power. Um, and there's no, there's, I don't think you ever, I don't know if you ever really apologised for it or was made to. He doesn't apologise. Um, he's, he's a bulletin club boy, Curtis. They don't apologise because they never do anything wrong. Uh, yeah, 
I just, how does he get away with it? He's like the worst boyfriend ever. You know, it's like he keeps doing stuff wrong. Well, ask, ask his ex-wives. Ask his ex-wives and um, ask his uh, all the partners that he's cheated on. Mm. I cheated with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and cheated on. I mean, let's face it. I mean, um, um, Carrie Simmons. Carrie Simmons, I'm sure that she thinks she can change him. I don't know. I, I think they're, they're that group of people that don't care so much. No, I think you're right. They're, they're literally... Yeah, it's able to do whatever they want to. Um, I, I've never met her. I don't know who she is. I know that the Tory party doesn't quite like her that much. Um, but we'll, time will tell. I don't honestly yeah. don't know. Never met her. Don't know. Not concerned. No, same here. Same here. Um, to break it up a bit, now, I was going to mention the next story about what Boris Johnson's doing, but I figure I'll come back to that because um, it just, it just, it's just a bit much. Um, to talk about Boris Johnson this much, um, and 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 yeah, it can, it can be very much. So, um, as I mentioned before, the London elections on the fifth of May are coming up, TC, and you know, uh, Sadiq Khan, <coughs> who's been the I think what I like to call the recovery mayor of London after who was that guy who was mayor before him again. Uh, Sadiq Khan, it was uh, Ken Livingston. <laughs> no, the pretend one. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Boris, Boris Bike Johnson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Boris Johnson, he, uh, he was mayor of London and Sadiq Khan came in after him. Sadiq Khan balanced the books. Sadiq Khan brought down costs. Sadiq Khan took a pay cut. Um, He's been, you know, sort of it, you know, struggled a bit when it comes to stuff like knife, knife crime, but it's not he. He doesn't have the power to increase policing as much as the government does in London. Yeah, it doesn't have the budget. Yeah, it doesn't have the budget. But whatever he has done, he's put as much more, more money into it as he can. And until the government decides that it's going to put more investment in, there's not much he can do. Now, that's not a defence of the fact that you know some people think Sadiq Khan's messed up in certain ways with it. The um, the way that uh, roads have been blocked off. Uh, during the pandemic, there was a lot of road work to put in cycle lanes. And he got criticised for that. Um, and I kind of get it. If you're a driver and there's road uh, delays everywhere, you're going to get annoyed. I get that. At the uh, same time... It's a pandemic. We're on lockdown. It's a pandemic. And thousands of Londoners die a year from car pollution. Yeah, but we were on lockdown. Shouldn't we be driving anywhere anyway? Yeah. Um, no, no, we've been I mean, there too, but it's like there should have been there should have been minimal traffic on that road apart from cyclists to and from work, mm. and then like the occasion, like the van driver or the bus. I mean, there shouldn't be cars bowling up and down getting to and from work because you've got public transport. Mm. Shouldn't have fucking mad, but, but mm, sorry, I swore. <laughs> right, That's right. Always right no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Um. I'm with you. Um, I think to you, you're right, but I also think at the same time, I kind of do get it. If you're, let's say, you're one of those people who had to drive, you know, you had no choice. You know, supermarket delivery guys, all the rest of it, right? There's a lot of traffic. I get you getting a bit annoyed, right? But my point would be, what choice does the mayor of London have when like thousands? I, I don't know what the number. I think it's forty thousand Londoners per year. Um, yeah. Dying from from pollution related illnesses, um, yeah. be it asthma, be it um, just just you know bronchitis, any type of breathing related illness you can imagine, Londoners have been dying from it, and he's got to do something about that, doesn't he, or, or does he ignore it? I don't know, but anyway, Sadiq Khan, you know, not a perfect track record, but darn sight better than Boris Johnson's. Um, but, but so much better than Boris Johnson's. It looks like he's going to win uh, the next election, TC, by by a clear margin. And yeah. you know, you think at that point, you know what? Fair enough. He, he hasn't done a bad job. Knife crime still needs to be dealt with, but that's a government thing that we need more government support to deal with that one, right? Mm. Apart from that, he's done a decent job. He, and up until COVID, the books were balanced. Everything was fine, right? Um, 
Okay, so like a, a, a D plus work harder um, was achieved. But a new challenger has entered the ring. Um, the, as they call him, the Great White Hope. Um, was it dope? I can't remember. It's <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the Super Fox. The, um, I don't know. The, I, 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 yeah, Lawrence Fox has entered the race to be Mayor of London. DC has Lawrence Fox got your vote. Uh, no, number one, I don't live in London anymore. Um, uh, number two is, I mean, he, he's on the um anti vaxxing um lift lockdown yes, lift he restrictions is. ticket, isn't he? Yes, he is. So indeed. he's he's going, he's saying, like, there are there is no there is no uh racism, there is no, no COVID. No, racism is a figment of your imagination. Racism, COVID, you know, as long as white people get, you know, more money, there is no racism, <laughs> you know. Like the Oscar for being, you know, if I can play Nelson Mandela, that'd be great. Um, because a white person would play Nelson Mandela better than Nelson Mandela. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, it's just about being, it's about being, it's basically, I don't know if this is the best acting he's ever done. So I don't think he's a particularly good actor anyway, but I've not really seen him in a lot of stuff. Oh no, do um, you reckon well that's what it is? Do you reckon he's literally he gets up and goes, right, today I'm going to be the future mayor of London and he actually sees himself as he's in a role. Well, I think I, I don't I don't know if he thinks he's in the role of I don't know. I think he's he's you know who's who's his brother in law? His brother in law is um Richard Adobe, isn't it? Is his brother-in-law, yeah. um, who is a man of colour, mm. uh, a man of mixed heritage, and um, I feel sorry for for Richard, really, how he has to deal with that person in his family, who's his brother's wife, I believe, his mm. wife's brother, even. Um, I I can't see how he can win, not not in London. Mm. I, I think if you put him in something like someone that that obviously has a a, a very right wing narrow my point of view yeah he could, could, could gain votes somewhere else i don't imagine, think he's going to win in london could you imagine Lawrence fox right at a family get together and richard iode is there and it's like uh, how are you richard um all right um how's your campaign going um still being a dick i just how would that work i don't know like, richard does i don't know not strike me as the type of guy who's just going to be like ah yeah, how are you today? He doesn't strike me as a confrontational bloke. <laughs> but... Sorry, T. Do you know what I mean? Uh, There's uh, a line. Literally, just struck me. How? How? Wow. Okay, cool. Carry on. <laughs> well, this means that this. Well, this means that Richard, Richard's name, um, Lawrence Fox, mm. his nieces and nephews yeah. are, you know, people. They're children, but people mm. of colour. And he comes out with this stuff. I mean, is he so deluded? Is he schizophrenic? Is he is he gone down the rabbit hole, Curtis? The, you know, the Quanon rabbit hole. You know, no, I just think people that, keep that... giving him money because he got given five million to start that party up. Mm. I just think he keep, people keep giving him money. And look, if you're a performer and you haven't made a lot of money and people are giving you money to perform, I honestly think that's all it is. I don't think it's. I'm a performer, goddammit, Curtis. I'm no, a former. We're going to get paid. Um, so why there, don't we get paid five million pounds? <laughs> Brewdog, if you're out there, um, uh, we'll please take any sponsorship. Oh, just, just beer. We'll take beer. Yeah, we'll take beer. Um, more chips. Uh, whichever works. No, no, um, beer. But we'll prefer beer. And um, I just think people keep giving him money, and that's it, TC. I really don't think it's any more complex than that. I think they hand him money. He goes, I'm doing really well. They like my shtick. Um... But good on him. Go enter the mayoral election. I can't wait to see what happens. In fact, do you know I, will what go, I will go to the count um, that they do. Mm. I will be there when it happens just to see the look on his face when he realises how deeply unpopular his point of view is in London. Um, Londoners are voted, the vast majority of Londoners vote to stay in Brexit. The vast majority of Londoners 
do even though they elected Boris in twice, they don't like Boris Johnson. Um, and I don't like the way this country has been going. Well, so he's you're welcome to come and try, Lawrence. Uh, what, what, what slightly worries me is that, mm. I, you know, I remember thinking that Nigel Farage was a joke. I remember thinking that Boris Johnson was a joke. I remember thinking um, that Jacob Rees-Mogg was a joke. Yeah. Um, and that Michael Gove didn't know what he was talking about. I remember all these things. And now look where they are. And then when I think of Lawrence Fox and that Lawrence Fox doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to become mayor. I'm wondering what is the trajectory in five to ten years? Mm. You know, where is he going to end up? Are we not? Are we so? Are we at a point where not we're not learning things? I mean, do, do you know what I mean? Uh, that what worries me is what comes around the corner. Always what what comes around the corner if we're not vigilant. And I don't think enough people are vigilant at this point in time. I think a lot of people don't care at the moment. I think that, but I think there's a lot more people that do. I think we need to speak to those people who aren't voting in elections because the vast majority of people don't vote. Um, I think we need to speak to those people. I think we need to reach out. We need to, I don't know, get on the correct frequency and um, start reaching out and talk to those people and find out why they're not voting, which I've said Labour should do. Um, and I've never understood why Labour hasn't in, in recent years. Just go out and meet those people and go and talk to them. I know there's a lot of member Labour members who do do that, who will go out of their way. I did go out with a group, and it's a Labour women, by the way. Um, I did go out with a load of Labour supporters who will go and knock on doors, who will go and speak to people, even when they're, they're not want, like not as bad as Jehovah Witnesses, don't get me wrong. Um, but they will, they will go and talk to people. I think that's that's you know what people what labor needs to do i i, I keep I've, I've said it for years there's no point in trying to appeal to the type of people who believe what's written in the daily mail um if you believe what's written in the daily mail is is one accurate and two fair or balanced you're mad you're absolutely mad but that's just my point of view i don't know do you see any root out of this other than that because that's the only thing i could imagine um, honestly, I'm a little bit perplexed as into what the solution to this would be. Mm. Um, Hunger Games, no. <laughs> well, no, well, well, one, we need to we need to engage with the British public, and we need yeah. to make, you know, at the moment we need to engage with the British public. But we need to like have a factual based discussion. Mm. Uh, I feel like I feel like the BBC is a little bit running scared of this government because they keep every time they try and like you know they're supposed to be an independent body, so. But an independent body shouldn't be a side that gives two opinions. It should be given opinion with fact. Mm. Yeah. So you have opinions and then there's the facts and yeah. make sure that the facts are prevalent. You know, um, I, I don't think there's, I think there's, there's lots of, at the moment, the media seems to be run with people with agendas mm. and as it always has been, because they're private enterprises, right? Yeah. But then these private agendas affect our politics. And they affect the country. And it, it seems that it's very easy. Well, it's not easy. Obviously, it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of manipulation to manipulate the general public into believing things that aren't necessarily true, like the economic benefits of Brexit, which, there, as we know now, there are none. Um, <laughs> oh, that was something I wanted to talk to you about with Karen. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the, the fact that if you pay more tax, mm. It's not the government taking away money and you're not getting anything for it. Mm. Or you're getting a welfare state that takes care of the poorest people in yeah. our economy, right? Who mm -hmm. might be there by no fault of their own, who yeah. might have been flying high one day and have everything ripped away from them via a car accident, something like that. So, do you know what I mean? That, so it would help those who are on hard times. That includes you and me and everybody else. So even people that don't want to pay the tax. Um, yeah. People that ages who for ages have been self-employed, who have paid themselves dividends and not got the taxes, you know, not paid their their fair share of tax because they paid dividends, which means they don't pay tax, not not a higher rate of tax, and they still get paid themselves, which means that in this furlough stage they've got nothing for the last two years, right? So it's it's about equating tax with future proofing our economy, and future proofing our resilience as a nation, right? And that's what tax is. It's not about not about someone taking away the money, the hard-earned money that you've earned. It's about making sure we live in a better society and somehow getting that through. In Sweden, they've got it in Sweden. 
you know mm. in most of the scandinavian countries they pay a high rate of tax and they get better but you know they've got a, a, a better society because of it, because they don't worry about anything if they have a child and both parents are off for 12 months yeah. they get their full wages paid but they just start off to look after the but the, and the, the sort of handshake on that is that at that year's time that child goes into care as yeah. in like you know the standard the standard nursery for, for like most you know night five days a week and their health, their health benefits are, you know, they've got one of the best health systems in in the world. If you suffer an accident and can't work, you're looked after for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? And they don't have what our media portrays as people sponging off the state. Mm. Because I think that thing of sponging off the state is basically driven by the media. Yeah. Well, I still see people so we, doing we, that we, whenever they talk about uh, any sort of poverty online. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much with you, you there. Yeah, uh, and this is what we need to do. We need to sort of fact-based stuff, tell people the truth, rather than these opinion pieces, which are just opinion pieces. You know, I, th- I think one, if, if you want to look at, uh, we were talking about patriotism between ourselves, mm. one of the most unpatriotic newspapers in this country mm. is the Daily Mail. Yeah. Because all they do is complain about things that happen in this country. They don't like multiculturalism. They don't like Indian food. I'm, I'm making some of these up, obviously. You know, they don't. <laughs> they, they don't. Everything is. We hate this. We hate Meghan. We hate rather than you know, you know, we love the Queen. Which t- just say we love the Queen. You, you don't have to. TC, you know what you did there. You gave us a really good segue into our next story. Thank you. Love the Queen. <laughs> Right, so it's again um, it's the Daily Mail. It's a it's a strange old paper. Just lost the court case. Um, it's gonna be, it's been told it's gonna have to do a front page uh, apology as such. Um, and if you, I don't know, it just seems weird every time I look at any news this week because everybody's got an opinion on the uppity princess or the uppity duchess. Uh, Megan uh, Merkel, who, depending on how you, you, know, you approach history and black people in the royal family, she's the first official black person to enter the royal family. There's been stories and rumours in recent years that there was, like, Bridgerton kicked off again, that there may oh, be um, mixed. I, lo- I love that show, Kurt. Yeah, I'm I love that show. It's, it's on my list. Um, um, but it's, it's basically... You know, as I said on a previous show, I think I said they lynched and ran her out of town, right? The only thing they haven't done is physically lynched her. Yeah. But they did run her out of town, right? And um, they did abuse her and they did make her feel inadequate. And they, I, even today, um, yesterday, and, and, and people keep, like, you talk about Daily Mail. They, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but there was a, a, a cover, well, a story intro, and it basically said, that um, the reporter had a niggling feeling, a niggling. Now, how often do you use the phrase niggling? Um, when you've got a bit of leg pain, front back page, pain, niggling. This was a story. I think it's when they got married on the front page of the Daily Mail. Um, and it was 2017, December 2017. Yes, they're joyfully in love. So why do I have a niggling worry about this engagement picture, Sarah can, Vine? Can I say it? Can I say it? Can um, I say what the niggling feeling is? Yes, TC. Yeah, yeah. Go because ahead. she's back. Because she's black. She's mixed right. She's back. That's the niggling feeling, Curse. That woman, poor, she's a bad woman. She can't be a good woman because she's obviously a woman that isn't what we expect a princess to be. And by that, I mean a white woman. Not beautiful, because she is beautiful, isn't she? I mean, she's stunning. Is she rich? Yeah, she's absolutely minted. Does she do charity work? She does shitload of charity work. What's the problem with her? She's black. Well, no, you're going, yeah. look, as far as see, that seems to be the big issue here. Um, yeah. That she is black. Um, but what makes it worse is how obvious the press have been and how willing people are to play along with it. Now, I guarantee you, I could go, again, I could go onto any Facebook page um, right now yeah. and there it. would be horrific comments by people that not only suggest that racism is involved, but then there's loads of people who are literally ignoring it. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, 
that they've done this to her. Remember, she's pregnant at the moment, and this is only just over a year since Caroline Flack committed suicide. It's the, it's the reason that they don't live in the United Kingdom, and they don't no longer they, you know, they don't live in the United Kingdom, and they've got nothing to do with um, the UK press. Mm. And I'm just very much in the way of wow, um, like just wow. I, I was, I was, I was. You know, seeing those headlines, in a way, I wasn't surprised. This is Daily Mail, which has always had a very sporting history when it comes to race relations in this country. On one hand, they're always coming out with the negative stories about the black community in the UK. On the other hand, their, one of their journalists, journalists was the one that broke the story about Stephen Lawrence mm. and how the police had basically conspired with the criminals involved in the murder of Stephen Lawrence to uh, cover up the crime. And so I've always found it quite strange um, or, or do the relationship quite difficult of why they're like that. But then I remembered Stephen Lawrence was a middle-class woman from a middle-class family. And that's why they were intrigued by the story. And outside of that, they don't care. Um, now, Megan's coming. And like um, one of the things, things that's always caught me quite, I found quite interesting. One, the interview she's doing with Oprah, which I think is happening tomorrow. Um, nobody's seen it, but plenty of people have commented on it. Oh, um, yeah. Nobody's seen it. You know, a few clips have been put out, but nobody's seen it. Secondly, the constant theme that seems to come out is that her, her status before she became to England. You know, I, I don't... <sighs> I saw a video where a royal commentator said she was five steps up from trailer trash today. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, do you know what, Curse? It, it says a lot, isn't it? When we live in a society where hierarchy, where you, you can, but you, you, you cannot come from nothing and become something. Hmm. You know what I mean? Where, where you, you literally, you're in a society where there's the queen and you're below that, and you're below the prime minister, and you're below everything else, and you're below, you know, basically you're. You're the scum on someone's shoe. And unfortunately, I feel like that's... Lots of people want to... I don't know. It's about feeling better than anyone else, isn't it, the class system? If you're middle class, you'll you feel better than the lower classes. If you're upper class, you'll feel better than both of those. TC, and, you do yeah. know. You do know. You know, TC, and I, I know you know, just because of the fact this. They've managed to do the impossible. They've managed to convince people who are not the royal family and not Boris Johnson's and didn't go to Eton, and aren't a part of the the, the super the establishment. Yeah, establishment one that they could be part of it. Um, they're just a luxury went away, and two that the people on benefits, the people who are poor, are um, the real problem in this country, and that's what they've managed to do. Um, it's 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 a, it's a the Boris Johnson shuffle, isn't it? Like. The, the rich Toth, who apparently sets up a charity, um, literally set up a GoFundMe for refurbishing number 10 yeah, um, among Tories, but won't give nurses a pay rise, yeah. starts looking into the idea of building a ridiculously expensive tunnel to connect mm. uh, England and Northern Ireland, which everybody said is financially, it's not viable. There's yep. no need to build. There's nothing coming from Northern Ireland that we need a tunnel from. It's not like France, neighbour, who we... Not, it's, it's one... Why would... Well, it's, anything, it's a short... It's not a very long ferry ride, Curtis. Anything that comes from to via Northern Ireland usually ends up in the UK anyway, because guess what? It all comes by a vote boat, anything that comes that way. And then comes into the UK, so there's no point. It's not costing them that much extra money to deliver anything to the UK. Why would you need a tunnel? Ah, oh, it's, it's the uh, British engineering, but British didn't design it. It would be British builders, but no, it was all guys from Poland you got over to build it. Uh, but no, it, it just doesn't matter. But that's the type of country we live in, right? Literally, they've convinced people that the mad people who are struggling, that woman who's having her sixth child and just doesn't want to be in a mouldy house, 
is more of a threat to the economy of this nation than the tough guy because she's seen a sponge in money even though if you build if you have a vanity project and you're a minister that to me is sponging money for the taxpayer but somehow the 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 woman who you know is is you know giving child to kid giving birth to kids and may have fallen on hard times is the threat because she's sponging me money i'd rather my money went to the woman who's had the kids I don't want to see those kids starving or in poverty. Well, Curtis, well, here's, here's the other thing. I, mean, I think you've gone extreme there, but you, you could have had a family. You could have had a family, Curtis, who were, you know, paying taxes, doing reasonably well, mm. paying a mortgage, you know, with two or three kids. Yeah. You know, two or three kids. And then the breadwinner dies in a car accident mm. um, without life insurance and without yeah. an adequate pension to leave his other half. Right? The house has to be sold. You know, the kids... The kids and, and, and mother have to go into it like, um, or, or he's got something like he, he didn't leave anything in her name or he just didn't complete a will. So then that mother has three kids. She has nowhere to live because the house is repossessed because she can't sell it. Or something happens. And then you've got someone who was, you know, a Tory voting person who suddenly has no money. Mm. You know, and, and then they need looking after. But obviously you could paint them as scum but then you don't know their life situation. It's very easy to take these brushes and paint people with a, with tar or, you know, just, just if you don't know their life stories, mm. what, what are you doing? I mean, how can we, how can we generalize? And it's a generalization. It's, it's, this is the whole point with, with racism and looking at the, looking at people who are on benefits as the scumbags or, you know, it's the same racism, isn't it? You just selected to take a whole section of people and do this to them. You know, they're, they're, they're bad. They're bad. Yeah. But you, you've not sort of considered, you've not thought deeply. You, you've not tried to, you've not showed any kind of empathy. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is part of where we are as in a very self-obsessed um, society, or is it partially to do with social media as well that sort of focuses on us? And then, you know, it's sort of drills down into our interests and stuff like that and, and manages to manipulate us that we cannot for the life of us remember what a community is because i think that's a lot of a lot of it we don't realize what community is um we don't live in communities anymore and although we know people i don't think it's the community that, that well my mum and dad grew up in up in spain and that that was definitely a community that that here was never replicated Mm. And even my, my cousin living in Spain now, the community they have there, I mean, it's a lot tight knit. Some people don't go on, but most people do, you know what I mean? And you just get on with it. And it's a different society. Everybody talks to each other on a daily basis. You can stop in the street and have a chat, you know what I mean? For two, three minutes. You're not going to, like, you know, tell, tell someone your life story. I don't feel that here in the UK currently, we have the. I, I, and I stop and chat to everyone, but mm. I, don't, I don't think we have that same that same cohesiveness and i don't know if that's if that's culturally due to the media to, to facebook to the way that the economy's gone i'd like to go sort of drill down into that and try and find out more about it but we don't we seem to have lacked empathy now mm. we like literally people care more about themselves than anyone else and i, I get that we should all care about ourselves um, we also care about our fellow man because that the next person would care about us i think you're right to a degree but i would add more it's not that we we I think it's more that we dislike and uh, this we'll create an, an imaginary an imaginary enemy in a sense. Um that we hate more than we care about each other. If that makes sense. So for instance, um yeah. we we think that um Islam, Muslims, even though they're like a tiny percent of this population, are our enemy. And what that means is that we're dismissing dismissing the fact that you know, British Muslims or um, British military Muslims or police Muslims or nurse Muslims or doctor Muslims. They're no longer all those various things a person can be. And we're not selling the idea that you could be the best you can be in this country. We're saying that there's other people trying to stop us from just being us, if that makes sense. So we're, we're sort of dismissing the humanity and the community that could be because to have that community would mean to accept that it's it, that we accept people for who they are, and if you if yeah. you do that, it, 
means that people like Lawrence Fox disappear. They don't get five million before they even set the party up. It, it, it means, it does, yeah. It means I was going to say it means that paupers dance with princes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we can't have that because then everything possibly falls apart, including the institution of the royal family, which I don't think is popular because people like it. I think because people have again tacked on this false patriotism, this really horrible false patriotism that that people are defensive of the royal family, but they don't actually see any real value in it. Um, the you know, the only reason there is for keeping them is tourists, but tourists don't see the royal family. You don't come over here as a tourist to see the royal family. So what makes it more popular? People think it's under threat. So those, uh, whatever the population of Muslims is, I think it's about 5 million, I don't know. I haven't done the math, but it isn't large. If you make them out to be the biggest threat, you can do whatever. You know, the bad things are worse than embracing the good things about this country. The diversity of this country, the diversity of, of thought. And when I say that, not like Lawrence Fox means, where you can usually, you know, you, you're oblivious to the diversity. I mean, the diversity of food, clothing, culture, music, mm. um, all these things that Britain's, that London in particular, but Britain's known for. Because mm. um, no matter what people like Lauren Fox like to say, this is a very diverse country. Even before you go to the, um, the colour thing, I see it. You know, Yorkshire's a very different place from Leeds. Nottingham's a very different place to Manchester, Scotland, Wales, Welsh, we have all these diverse Cornish people, um, diverse cultures here already. And instead of embracing all of that, we have this sort of situation where people are almost hateful of that. And it's very easy to do, especially when you just go Muslims. Because everybody, sorry, it's far away. I was, no, I was, I was going to give you sort of a little historical rundown of the diversity in the country that we know of currently. So you've you've got, let's start. So you've got the Picts, which we believe are the original inhabitants of the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Then they were, then then the British Isles were invaded by the Celts. Then following the Celts came the Anglo-Saxons. No, I lie. Sorry, following the Celts came the Romans. So the Italian influence mm. and the Spanish influence, because Spain was a major part of of uh, the Roman Empire. Um, then after that came the Anglo-Saxons, German. Then came the Vikings, uh, which were obviously Scandinavian. Then came the Normans, which were French. Now, in the interim of that, then you've had people from all cultures, from Africa, from um, East Asia, from everywhere, who've, who've come to this, this nation. And that's before the empire. Yeah. So it's huge. Yeah. You know, we're, we're a diverse country. So And... Here's here's the other thing, you know about that false patriotism, right? Yeah. England England versus Germany here in the UK tends to be, or in the in England tends to be a massive fixture. Yeah. It's like the big the big game, isn't it? It's the big game. It's the, the it's the big crunch battle. It's the proper yeah. derby. It's the grudge match. Now, do you know that the proper grudge match for Germany isn't England? Do you know who their main rivals are in any competition? The ones that they really look forward to playing and beating. It's not England. What? No, nope. oh. it's Holland. Holland, Curtis. Really? Yep, that's the that's the team that the Germans always want to beat. Now, if you tell an England supporter, mm. and I've told this to a couple of English supporters, that Germany Germany don't see Britain as the big crunch, the big derby. And so, mm. what are you talking about? Second World War, you know, two World Wars, one World Cup. They've got like eight World Cups. You know, <laughs> it's not for them. It's not about the World Cup. You know, it's not, they don't see that crunch. It's it's about the footballing style, and it's the footballing style is the grudge match that they have because they've have problem they had problems you know, uh, let's face it uh, during the Second War the Germans committed massive atrocities in Holland, mm. so there's a, there's an absolute grudge match there, so they don't yeah. play very nicely against each other, um, so that's their grudge match. They don't see Britain. In fact, they love British football. And yeah. three lines on three lines on the chest, the song went to number one I think three times in Germany. Well, it went to number one twice here in the UK mm. on deaf separate occasions. So. Um, you know, they see it as a very footballing song. So it's weird. This false patriotism seems to be face, based on, I don't know. It's, it's, based like on what, it's based on what the people don't know. So, for instance, theoretically, as an example, um, we have a grudge against Argentina, um, partly because of uh, Maradona, but obviously the Argentinian war. 
what yeah. a lot of people don't know is every Forward. year before COVID, um, mm-hmm. there's polo um, played at Hurland Park in um, where is Hurland Park? Like Fulham, Fulham, Chelsea? It's Fulham. No, it's Fulham. It's Fulham. Fulham. Hurland Park, and the Argentinians come over and they play England English polo teams for several days, and people drink, they laugh. Obviously, it's all extremely wealthy of, yeah, of, of, of Fulham and London, and people don't see that. But what they do see is the Sun saying that Top Gear went over to Argentina and pissed them off because they had a number plate about the Falklands War, which is terribly hilarious, as always, um, because Falkland War was an absolutely hilarious battle um, yes. that we were in. But... Um, but that, that's what I mean. Why is it that the, the people that dislike this country the most are selling this country the idea, the worst example of what it means to be a nation, I think. Yeah. And, and this, I is glo- do, this is global Britain now, Kurtz, yeah. as well. Global Britain. And, you know, it will make us popular with dictators and uh, the place I like to literally call the world's largest women's prison, um, Saudi Arabia. Um, it may make us popular with those countries, but for how long? And what's the cost? What's the price? How far are you, people out there, whoever you are, who voted Boris, who voted for Brexit, willing to go in terms of the reputation and position of this country? Because in the next six months, this government is going to go on a route, which I don't know what will happen, because nothing like this has happened for a long time, I don't believe, in that they are going to break the law, um, or, or possibly break the law for a second time um, in our negotiations with Europe. Not because of anything Europe's done, but because of what this government didn't do, uh, which was to read a freaking document before we went and published it. Um, TC. Well, just, to, just to clarify, just to get those facts straight, the UK did not break the law because um, the British government had to back down. Mm. Um, there was so- an attempt. There was an attempt, as as there was, it was it was against the to break the protocol, which the European Union considered to do for the vaccine, which then they got absolutely slated for, um, and, and you know we said that the EU, you, this is why we left the EU, and now the EU are doing basically the same thing, and you know well that's all right then because we're doing it, um, so if if we become a rogue a rogue state, which means that we cannot do deals with anyone. And we might face sanctions, not just from not just from the EU, but from the United States, um, from other trading partners. So it could be like Canada, because obviously all the other nations like Canada, J- Japan, the United States have trade deals with guess who? The EU. And also they won't be doing any business with a country that doesn't keep its deals. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point of dealing with a country that doesn't? If you do a handshake, you write sign a document, and if you don't keep to those treaties, then your word means nothing. You can do what you want. You'll you'll be lying. You know, you can say I'll do this today and tomorrow you won't. And unfortunately, we're in a government that believes that this is acceptable behaviour. Well, yeah, well, the adulterer named Boris is probably not the best person to be asking to make deals. <laughs> but there you go. He's at it, he's rolling through it, and he's gonna do it again. Oh, it's been such a long, long week. I don't know where to, there's so many stories. Um, I don't know where to begin. In terms of culture, and just, again, to show how much this, and I'm not just blaming the UK for this sort of anti-Islam uh, BS. Um, Europe's just as guilty of it sometimes. Oh, and yeah. as an example, Switzerland is now following suit with France, I think mm-hmm. Holland, and a few other countries in Banning, the burqa and the niqab. Now, why do I bring this up? Um, I'm, because of face masks. <laughs> partly because of face masks, but partly because um, look, I'm an atheist, right? I don't, I don't believe in any gods, but I like to see myself as a as a as a, a captain of a ship, a starship. Mm. And if I meet other people that believe in something different from me. Mm. My response is not to shoot and kill, but come in peace, have a chat. Might learn something new. I don't have to believe what the other people believe. I don't even have to encourage what the other people believe. I don't have to sit with them, talk to them, whatever. But I need to be able to function with them. Um, And if I honestly believe that there's a threat or a problem, I I need to talk to them. because I don't think that the these rules about banning any carbon or burqa, although well-meaning, 
Um, I think they're vindictive and I think they're going to harm the most vulnerable group they shouldn't do. And that, again, is women. Yeah. Um, we're making laws that in particular affect women. Instead of finding a way around this and actually looking at how do we let... Okay, if we think Islam... If we think Western culture is so wonderful, why don't we show people how wonderful it is? Instead of taking that approach, which yeah, well, has actually worked in the past, just saying, um, why then are we going down the route of banning the carb and a burger? And the cab, the carb, is it the carb or the cab? I kind of get, but at the same time, especially at a time when everybody's wearing masks, it's a bit much. It just feels a bit vindictive. And again, it targets women hmm. um, who are, as far as I'm concerned, always the most vulnerable group when it comes to religion, full stop. But also, it's just a bit petty. Um, and that's Europe doing that. Well, I think it, Poland's it, done it as You're well. right. It, it's individual states within Europe, the European Union. Yeah. And the European Union, because each country is sovereign, the European Union cannot become involved in, in laws within each nation mm. unless they are laws that would fundamentally break EU immigration policy or something like that. Which so I do it's believe a... it does because there's EU protocols on human rights, which this must break. Um, I, I wouldn't know that, Kurt, so we'd have to speak to someone. Who we'll do that. If there's any European listeners out there. <laughs> or, any, or any solicitors who've worked in, in the field. Please do let us know. Because it, it just bothers me. I get why they're doing it. But again, it, it shows how Europe's so out of step. Because where haven't they put in laws like this? The United States of America. Which again, has a larger Muslim population than most UK countries. European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if anything, Muslims have faced a lot more hostility in the States at points than in Europe. But again, this isn't a law that they've brought in in the, state, in, in the States. This isn't the, the Muslim population of the USA is quite well integrated into the United States. Um, why is it Europe's been openly hostile in a way that's not going to help Europe in any way? It may make certain people feel better and less afraid of Muslims, but a woman in a burqa, I just, it just disturbs me that we're going down this road. It just feels like it's 1940, well, 1938 all over again. Um, And and we're we're picking the worst ideas you can possibly pick to try and make the world a better place. Sometimes I feel that these laws are passed to play to the lowest common denominator. Do you know what I mean? That, that to, 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 to pick the people who might have voted the other way to get them to vote on your side. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I feel that, you know, it, because obviously you're talking about some kind of white Christian right-wing person who might have voted for someone far more right-wing mm. and now they're getting, like, placated with this, whatever this politician is, you know, um, who's, who's made this the well, you know, fair enough, yeah, that's right, because it doesn't affect me, and that's the big mm. thing, isn't it? it doesn't affect you but it affects someone else that's all right it's someone else's problem and you've you've inflicted that on them i i Mm. I don't know the ins and outs of it i can see why a country that that is what's the word i'm looking for that doesn't have a religious basis for its government would employ would employ things well I, i say i can see i can't really see why they do it i can see how you could do it at an airport where you'd have to say that there is this room, everybody who comes in has to take off their burqa, and you'll be, you'll be, you know, you'll be, you'll be seen by a female officer who will check your passport photo against your face. I can get that, I can see that because I think lots of it came from terrorists who got into to, got into countries by being dressed as women in burqas, and they weren't women because they refused to take off their hijab. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so I understand that, but then there's a way around it, isn't there? Mm. You can still respect someone's religion, and in America, religion is very important. Ask the Mormons. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so it, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? I can see why to get around that from a security point of view, but I think the headlines mean more to to the, the right wing voting public. And I don't think it's. I, I do think that in many ways Muslims are being victimised, but the, the issue is that we have terrorism that is inflicted by by Muslim terrorists who, who are a tiny, a tiny minority. As we know in the UK, mm. you're more likely to be killed by a white supremacist 
than you are by or, or tempted to be killed by a white supremacist than you are by someone who's a, a Muslim extremist. I know, but you try and tell that to people who read the Sun. I tell you, <laughs> Look, ladies and gentlemen, I, I do love these talks. The only thing that ever frustrates me about this show is it comes to an end, and it always comes to an end too soon. But you know what? That's why you guys come back every week. Please, you can watch this. Uh, t- you know, tell your grandma, tell your sister, tell your daughter, um, tell everybody about the show. Please do. We will have a Patreon up soon. Check out www.thenewestablishment.co.uk for more information. And also, you can find our previous podcasts on Spotify, um, iTunes, and everywhere you can download podcasts. Why? Because we are going to be the world's greatest podcast. Um, It's been an absolute joy uh, hanging out with you guys tonight. Um, Hello to all the hellos we've got online. Thank you very much. And um, we'll be back uh, next week. Same time, same place. With more stories to go over and more debates to be had. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Global Frequency.